Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Name one performance artist. Maybe you're thinking of Marina Abramovich, the artist who sat at MoMA eight hours a day for almost three months, totally still, and anyone could sit in the chair facing her and gaze into her eyes. Good. It was really good, first one. Now, name another one. Kanye West does not count. Sorry. And neither does your eighth grade talent show performance, as much as you'd like to pretend that performing that song from The Music Man was an ironic commentary on consumerism. And kudos, very advanced eighth grade experience. A lot of people think of performance art as kind of a joke. I'm not a fan of performance art, personally, so... (laughs) It's not even so much that I'm appalled by it, just curious. I'm Abby Jacobson, and this is A Piece of Work. And today, I'm trying to wrap my head around performance art and to get beyond that feeling of, what the heck is going on here? So I thought, who better to talk to than a person who's made his entire life into a piece of performance art? RuPaul. Kids write to me and say, well, what am I going to do with my life? My parents don't understand me. I write back and I say, listen, find out what it is you have that makes you unique and special and cultivate that and then bring that to the party. RuPaul is unapologetically himself. He refuses to compromise or to let others define him. And on RuPaul's Drag Race, he helps other people express themselves, too. Now, remember, if you can't love yourself... How in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Amen. All right, now let the music play. Yeah. Hello, Abs? Yeah? Hey, kiddo. Hey, how are you? You know, hoes and bros. Yeah. (laughs) I got to know RuPaul when he guest starred on the new season of my show, Broad City. When we talked for this podcast, I was in the middle of post-production. I get to look at your face every day now. How's that? Oh, you're editing. We're editing. I wanted to start us off easy, so I asked RuPaul what he thought about performance art in general. Well, I got to tell you, you know, I moved to New York in the early 80s, and performance artists were everywhere. And especially with art, you know, there are people who are authoritarians who tell you, well, this is important. And I, I grew up thinking, you know, I don't need somebody to tell me what's important. I can use my senses well enough to know if it actually moves me. And then as I grew older and really understood what was going on, I resented the people from earlier who told me, oh, this is important. That wasn't important. That was bull. That was <laughs> crap. It was. I thought it was crap then, and I think it's crap now. So I resented all of the people who were saying, oh, this is a very, very important piece of artwork. You know, I think the most important information you should know about should be told with laughter and with like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I don't, the, yeah. I, I feel the same way about performance art and video art. If it's got naked people and big fat asses, I'm in. (laughs) Well, that's a great segue into our first video we're going to watch. So are you familiar with... um... Sir Mix-a-Lot? Yes, Sir (laughs) (laughs) Mix-a-Lot. We're going to be surveying Sir Mix-a-Lot's greatest hits. Or hit. (laughs) Greatest hit. Because I literally do not know any other thing that... Sir Mix-a-Lot has created. Oh, no, I've got to send you. He does have another really, really good song. It may be better than the other one. It's called Put Him on the Glass. Really? 
Yeah, and you can imagine what he means by putting them on the glass. No, I don't know what you're t- referring to. He, well, he, I'll tell you, he's talking about them two tiggo bitties, baby. Them two tiggo bitties, honey. I got to say, Sir Mix-a-Lot was very, like, the lyrics of that song are wonderful, I think. They're amazing, amazing. Yeah. I think I've quoted them every day since the song came out. Okay, so I asked RuPaul to watch a couple of videos with me, films that document performance art pieces. The first one is from 1964, when performance art and happenings were really getting going. It's by an artist named Carolee Schneemann, and it's called Meet Joy. Oh, what, excuse me? It's called Meet Joy. Oh, Meet Joy. Mm-hmm. So let's, How long is it? It's like 10 minutes, but we can talk over it. Okay. I see these people, they've got panties on. Panties and bras? Yeah. Okay. So, to paint you a picture of what we're looking at, there's half a dozen or so dancers, men and women, wearing speedos and bikinis, sort of dancing and smiling and laughing, falling on the floor, writhing around. It's almost like a a dance piece. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely choreographed. Um, Okay, well, they're... Yeah, they're in, like, little bathing suits, which I love. You know, anything that's got nudity in it or bodies, I, Yeah, there's I'm, actually like a that. really hairy leg coming up. This guy's oh, really I lo- hairy. I like that, actually. Are you, do you like hairiness? Do I like hairiness? I guess, I don't dislike it. I guess it really depends. Oh, okay, so is she wearing a meat bikini? Oh, oh, it's sort of, I no, never it's, noticed it, this. It, they look like kind of furry bikinis. Yeah. Oh my gosh, maybe they are meat bikinis. Yeah, it's like the Lady Gaga thing. I bet that's where Lady Gaga got the Lady Gaga got, 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 got the idea. And you know what? No one would ever know that because it seems like that? it's like a new, fresh idea. Yeah. See, look at that leg. Do you see how hairy that one leg is? Yes, yes. Now that's a, le- that's hairy. a hairy leg. It's one of the hairiest legs I've ever seen. <laughs> This is all I've been talking about when I watch this video with people. I can just... Oh, wait, here. Now these animals are getting, like, served up. So this is when things start getting weird. Somebody brings out some whole raw chickens and fish and sausages like you could get at the grocery store. And the dancers start dancing with the chickens and biting them. Okay. They're throwing fish and and meat meat products on top of the dancers who are lying on their back. Yes. Um, and they're sort and of like rubbing I, around with them. Yeah. I'm not sure what the message is yet, other than um, meat is sexy in groups of people in bikinis. Yeah. Um, throwing, oh, she's got a fish between her legs there. It's and interesting. Chickens. I, yeah. I tried to be of the mindset of like, I because often when I watch stuff like this, I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting exactly what they were putting down, but yeah. I'm sort of like maybe I'm just supposed to interpret it however I'm interpreting it. You know, you're absolutely right. So I'm thinking what I'm getting from this is that it's decadence. It's it's uh, humans being free enough to explore themselves. And now they're like ripping the chicken apart. That, I'm, I'm not so crazy about that. Yeah, me neither. I'm not so crazy about that either. It, I, I see, it's hard for me to equate sexuality with uh, ripping a chicken apart. 
you know? It is interesting. All these people are in their underwear, and I don't really find it sexy. No. Because of all the food. Or not, it's not even food, really. They're like just animals. Yeah. Car- yeah, it's carcasses. Yes. It seemed like the people in Meat Joy were having fun. But what were we supposed to feel? Watching people writhe around with dead chickens and fish looked kind of gross. Was there a joke involved? Was there a deeper meaning or message that we're supposed to completely understand? What's going on? So I went to MoMA to talk with one of their curators, Thomas Lax. Is that the leg you're talking about? Yes. Right? Kind of like it. I don't like it either. <laughs> you, no, I do like it. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. I don't I just, like it. You know, it's just very bodily. <laughs> yeah, but... I feel like, I don't know why, I feel like now they would just be naked. Yeah. well, That's like the only thing, maybe. And, you right? know, th- there's a few years later, another performer, Anna Halperin, made a work where she was naked, 1967 at Hunter, and the police came in and, you know, stopped the performance and brought the performers to jail. So I think, yeah, there is a way that nudity meant something slightly different then than it does now. But, but I wonder now what, it's so interesting where it's like, she was arrested and taken away, and it's like, for doing, for just being, was Naked. it on the street? No, it was in a theater. Yeah, yeah that's, the th- it's like, they couldn't do that now. Now they could, yeah. No. And now, and now it's also like, you know, now it's, it's almost like a, because of people like Carly Schneemann, it's almost a cliche to do that, because it feels like, oh, just take off your clothes, right. and you'll like be in this, you know, legacy, and so... To do the more radical thing is maybe to like cover yourself up in specific kinds of ways. Wearing tons of layers. Exactly. Radical. Right, because it is interesting that like a cliche of performance art is just to be naked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. One other thing I just wanted to mention about her is that before she made this work, she had made you know, some self-portraits where she was naked and she was at Bard College at the Mm -hmm. time and was asked to take a leave of absence for making naked self-portraits, even though there were men who were painters at the time who were portraying her naked. In terms of the moment in which she was making this, obviously misogyny is real, alive and well today, but maybe works in slightly different ways. So I think part of like what prompted her to make this was just the reality of patriarchy at the time for women artists. Yeah, that's like if you, if you would just have the painting on the wall and she were to say that a man did it of her, it'd be fine. Right. But it's just, no, I, I did it. You're, you're out of here. Exactly, exactly. Bullshit. Yeah. Meet Joy was revolutionary in the 1960s. And actually, it still feels that way now. It's a female artist making this statement about female bodies and how they were allowed to be portrayed. That's what I see. But I wanted to find out from the artist. Hello. Carly. Abby, yeah. Hi, it's so nice to meet you and talk to you. I know, we have a, a, a virtual meeting here. It's been more than 50 years since Carolee Schneemann made Meet Joy. She lives in upstate New York, and she's still making groundbreaking work. She recently had a show in London of photos and videos about war, disaster, and suffering. It just um, is an anguish for me. I think we need to look at it, but where does it take us? Carolee is one of the icons of feminist and performance art. But it turns out even she isn't the biggest performance art fan. Uh, There's some very interesting feminist work. Mm -hmm. But most of all, it's not so great. (laughs) (laughs) 
she did a bunch of really bold work in the 1960s and 70s. There's this video of Carolee and her husband having sex from the perspective of their cat. And there's a performance in which she read from a scroll as she pulled it from her vagina. It was all about being a woman in charge of your own body and your own sexuality. So I asked her, what was it like to stage Meet Joy in 1964? In 1964, it was so radicalizing for sort of attending to so many normal taboos, taboos about touch, about smell. It comes from a very special moment when there was a sense of um, pervasive erotic suppression, and certainly there was no dynamic of young women depicting their own pleasure or activating it. Right. So I'm 33. And I know that over, like, just my adult life, or not even my adult life, you know, my body's changing, and I notice the changes in my body. And I don't know, over the course of your work and your life, because that is sort of like one of your main mediums is your own body, how do you feel? Like, it's almost like it becomes a new thing as you get older as well. As you get older, the new thing becomes an old thing. (laughs) It's not uh, reliable or offering the same dynamic. But I haven't worked with the explicit body since 1975. And so my culture is obsessed and insistent that I don't grow up. They want me running around naked even though I'm 76. That's all anyone wants in any medium. Yeah. <laughs> Naked bodies. Let's see the old people run around. <laughs> I just had um, um, a choreographer from uh, Sweden ask, could we recreate Meat Joy? And would any of the original participants participate? And that was so adorable. Since <laughs> both of them have died or are on dialysis, or kidney failure. Oh or... my gosh, it'd be a very different, a very different uh, yeah. Yeah. piece. So Carolee isn't going to restage Meet Joy anytime soon. But the problems, the misogyny, and the repression she was criticizing in that piece are still around. The taboos have shifted, but they're still there. There are more prohibitions than I've ever felt before. And we're also, like, going back in time in terms of, like, civil liberties and respect. And things are just feeling, like, very out of control. And then I often wonder, oh, well, is this what it felt like 30 years ago, but I just wasn't around? No, it's different. This feels like a slow, dark tsunami rising over everything that we've made that had um, an aspect of civility Carolee, no, you're supposed to say, no, it was always fucked up, and it's just yeah. like that. Is this just happening again? Well, yes, my it fear, it does feel up. more fucked up now. It well, is. This is more grotesque and, and deforming the things that we already struggled to uh, put in place for a more just culture. Yeah. You know, I do comedy for a living, And I often get asked, you know, what it's like to be writing comedy right now. Yeah. And with it being so dire, it's actually, there's more to, to like, need, like, the need to talk about things. And there's, like, almost more of a need for art 
as well right now. People need to be expressing what's happening. I'll tell you, Key and Peel have made me feel <laughs> like some hope for America. Right? Yeah. They're incredible. Yes, they're so incredible. Good evening, my fellow Americans. The country has voted for a new president. How did this happen, man? Get the f- Don't you understand? This is how the Hunger Games starts. Coming up, an artist casts herself as the star of her performance piece, then invites the audience to cut off her clothes. There was a long silence between one person coming up and the next person coming up. And I thought, it's a fantastic, beautiful music, you know. Ba, 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 ba. Cut. Ba, 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 ba. Cut. Beautiful poetry, actually. That's Yoko Ono, and she's up next. This is Piece of Work. This is Kai Wright, host of the United States of Anxiety. And if I'm honest, we never actually expected to be here in literally an entire country of anxiety. We decided to postpone the wedding. This has a lot of echoes with 9-11. Our healthcare system, we aren't ready. We're going to try to think about what this profound change we're going through now means about what's coming up ahead. Join me for the WNYC podcast, The United States of Anxiety. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is all about the most intimidating and sometimes annoying form of contemporary art, performance art. In Meet Joy, we saw people dancing around, seemingly pretty happy about their bodies. But in this next piece, made in the very same year, the artist sits perfectly still and lets other people do things to her. Don't fight. Let it happen. By not fighting, we show them that there's a whole world which could exist by being peaceful. That's the voice of Yoko Ono. She's talking about a performance artwork she debuted in 1964 called Cut Peace. You can find a video of it online. Yoko Ono, of course, uh, the wife of John Lennon, the one who was accused of breaking up the Beatles. I know. And that, I have a little piece of paper here that says that she's best known for that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that sucks. That is, that does suck. This is me with RuPaul again. Now, are you a Beatles fan? I am a Beatles fan. You know, I like I like the Beatles songs when other people do them. I think they do a fine job. But yeah. when other people do them and interpret them, I go, oh my god, that's that's deep. Like when Tina Tinta Turner does help. Tinta Turner. She yes, she <laughs> turns it. Out. She I mean, turns she can kind of do anything. Yeah. But she does it as a ballad that's like a gospel ballad that's just brilliant. You know, because when they do it, they go, help me when you cannot feel it. Like a teeny it's a bopper more thing. Poppy, but she, yeah. Yes. But she goes, help me if you can. I'm Ooh. feeling down. <laughs> she goes there. She belts it. I got to listen to yes. this. Oh, wait. How did we get to talking about Tina Turner? Back to Yoko Ono. And I should say that this performance was made before she married John Lennon, by the way. So we're watching a video documenting cut piece, and it starts out innocently enough. She's sitting on the floor in a long-sleeved black dress. Then, one by one, 
people start coming up from the audience, taking a big pair of scissors and cutting off pieces of her dress. The audience members are women and men all dressed very nicely because this is happening in a performance space at Carnegie Hall. Are they taking the garment? No, they're just cutting it. They're, they're not just cutting, cutting it, pieces. and the scissors are put back on the floor. And it looks yeah. like it's different people every time coming in and cutting, uh, like, sort of a ran- what seems to be a random piece of her dress off. Yeah. It's a right. long-sleeve, sort of conservative-looking dress. Yes. Now, I think immediately I'm getting what the message of this is, which is people are taking pieces of her and she is unmoved. That's what I'm getting from it. Yeah. And they're also cutting very, like, I mean, I would as well if someone, if this was like the prompt, I would cut like a very small piece that wasn't revealing much. Right. To be be polite. Yes. Be polite when cutting off other people's clothes. Yeah, exactly. It goes along like this for a while. Now, Yoko is still just sitting here in a very contemplative stance. And her sitting slip on the floor. is now exposed. Yep. More of exposed. Yep. Let me get I'm gonna get deep with this because I, I'm thinking, you know, you know, I'm I'm not as public of a person as you are, but I'm getting like the sense of when you put yourself on stage and in front of people and sort of like out to the public, they take pieces of you. I mean, that's like what this is saying, right? What you were yeah. saying and saying. Do you feel like just to talk more about that personally? Like, do you feel that way? Do you? Do you I, I do. I I do. You know, because I'm 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 literally I am an introvert who's masquerading as an extrovert. I know how to do it, but. I afterwards I have to go and recharge my battery by myself, like the yeah. cat who goes under under the house to wait. And have you know babies. what you you said something to me when we were shooting, and it like threw me kind of. You were like, I didn't know you were an introvert. Uh huh. And I was like, it made me like, <laughs> I thought about that all night. Really. So RuPaul and I are chatting, watching the video, and this guy comes up to Yoko, and then oh my god, he just cut her bra straps. He fucking cuts her bra straps. She's covering herself. Who is this She's guy? She's covering herself now with her hands, he, which he is did, not... Yeah, he cut a lot of her clothes off. And she's actually, uh, she's affected by it. She's trying to act like she's not affected by it, but she is affected by it. Yeah, her eyes are moving around a lot and won't make contact with the audience anymore. Now, I, actually, I think this piece is very effective. I felt very moved by it, especially when she put her hands up to keep her her bra straps, which he cut, from falling down, exposing herself. Because he, no one needed to cut her bra off yet. No, no, there, there was, was plenty more dress. of yes. And he, and did you see the the way he did it? He approached. He was kind of aggressive with it. Yeah, it was like a dick move. It was a dick move, and he did it in a way because uh, he first he, he cut away most of her slip that was under her garment, and then as his his sort of grand finale, he cut the bra straps. It's like saying, you know, put them on the glass, Yoko. Put them on the glass. Yeah, <laughs> it's Sir Mix a lot. Yeah, he's Sir yeah. Mix a lot. Full circle. But it is like I mean, my thought on that is sort of like when you put yourself out there. You're going to get that shit, too. Like, you, you are, are gonna asking, get that. For, you're going to get that dick as well. 
It's a very uh, vulnerable gesture. I talked with the curator Thomas Lax about the moment at the end with this guy. This fucker. I hate that. Yeah, but it's, and it's like it's we also, all know this guy. Do you know what I mean? It's like and I think she we went knew this would happen. Yeah, I think she's like, I want you to see what could happen in this. It is an experiment. So I think even though she's uncomfortable, I think she's like, it like takes how people act in their everyday lives and puts it up on a stage. So in some ways, that kind of reveals his, you know, his terror that yeah. I'm sure he just brings wherever he goes with him. Yeah. This is seems like a very hard thing to do to someone. I'm like, I would be very nervous to like participate. And then part of it is like, well, they're going up, they're doing it. Like, I guess I'll do it. It's like this weird like peer pressure too. Or like psychological experiment. Yeah. What are you gonna do? I know, she, but she, then it's yeah. also she at like she's told them to. So it's like. Go ahead, what were you no, going to say? No, exactly that. Yeah, the line of like consent, coercion uh-huh. is really thin. The thing I was going to say is that there's like two versions of her instructions for this, one of which says that she gets to decide or the performer gets to decide when it's over. The other one says that the audience gets to decide when it's over, which feel like very different in terms very of what you're different. saying. Yeah, that I would almost be... S- scared about the audience getting like it almost feels like if this went on too long the audience would like lose control like inviting like it feels like inviting this kind of thing is like so terrifying in a way like you do not know what could happen I've got to say cut piece gets under my skin there's something beautiful about it but also incredibly painful. Even though it was made more than 50 years ago, it hits me in the gut every time I see it. And to me, that's the definition of great art. That's it for this episode of A Piece of Work. I'm Abby Jacobson. Special thanks to Thomas Lax, RuPaul, and Carolee Schneemann. You can see pictures of the stuff we talked about today on our website, apieceofworkpodcast.org. The show is a co-production of WNYC Studios and MoMA. Thanks for listening. You like creating charades based off already existing titles and making them dirty. Exactly. Where you just replace one word of an existing title uh, without changing the syllables. Like Manchester by the titty? Is that close? (laughs) Like what? It, I thought I was coming to people are like, what is this podcast about? But this is a better <laughs> no. podcast than what I'm doing. No, no, no. But see, you got it wrong. You changed the syllable. It would be Manchester by the P. Oh, it'd be Manchester by the P. I added the syllable. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Right. Right.